Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Welcome to church, you guys. You awake? You're here? We're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here, and so grateful also that you came to 9 a.m. Here's the deal, you guys. Uh, We need you to keep doing that. In fact, if you know anybody at 11 a.m., I want you to shame them for going to 11 a.m. because it is packed. So just call them out. Say, hey, come with me to 9 a.m. or to Wednesday night is a great opportunity as well um, just to continue to make space for people to come in and hear about Jesus. And so uh, we are in the middle of a series, if you are new. Uh, Last week, we kicked off into the series called Stuffed. And, uh, and the, the conversation is all about how can we have a perspective on our things and our stuff coming into this holiday season that gives us a little bit more joy and a little bit more freedom as we, as we walk into Christmas and in the holidays. And so uh, that's what this series is all about. I need this in my life. I know that. And I know many of you do that we could get some perspective uh, that we wouldn't be consumed by consumerism, but we would actually have a, a perspective on our stuff that gives us more freedom. And so we start off with a couple major ideas last week. And the, the first thing is this, that everything comes from God. And this reality changes everything about our lives. And and the second thing is that everything submits to God. And when we get those two things, that everything comes from God, everything submits to God, it changes the way that we see our stuff. Can we say those things together first? Everything comes from God. Ready? One, two, three. Everything comes from God. Everything submits. Ready? One, two, three. Everything submits to God. And these things will change your life. It will change your life. And so um, last week was a huge week as well for a church, for our church. We stepped into our next step. We've been talking about this for a few months, and if you're new, just kind of an update for you. We feel that God is calling us to plant ourselves in this location for a long time. We really believe that what's happening in ACF Church needs to continue to happen for years and years. I mean, maybe way beyond any of us will ever see that that God will continue to work in this city like he has uh, through us so far. And so we feel like God is calling us to expand our facility continue to make room. And uh, and so what we've said is that we need to take a next step financially as a church. And we've invited you into that. In fact, if you haven't gotten a card, uh, in the seat in front of you are the next step cards. And on that card is a lot of information and a website that you can go to for more information about the ACF Church Next Step. Here's the thing. Uh, if you're not involved yet, uh, we have seven months here to set aside the finances we need to take this next step. If you're new here today, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Just hang out. This one's on us. Uh, but if you're not, if you're part of ACF Church, I want you to consider being a part of the next step. And our goal is this, not that everybody would give the same amount, but that we would all be involved. And so our our mission is that 100% of the people at ACF Church would be involved with the ACF Next Step. And so that's our invitation to you. Whatever way God is calling you to be involved, that you would go home and that you would pray. Um, The the need is there. The opportunity is there. There are almost 300,000 people in our local vicinity, many of which are unchurched. Um, Alaska has so many needs. And so we have uh, the good of Jesus right here in our midst and the grace of Jesus working in this church. We want to share that 
with as many people as possible. In fact, last week at 11, I mentioned we were full in this place. Uh, we had a family, I heard a story that uh, a new family, first time at church, um, churchgoers, though Christians, and they came in the back door and one of the ushers was like, hey, there's no room in this room. Uh, we, we, could, we, we could put a couple, couple folding chairs in the back of the room and, and, and I think we have a couple chairs left we can put you in. And, and the dad, he had his kids and his wife and he's like, he's like you, um, you, would have to, you would have to drag me in there. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, listen, if I'm going to take, take a seat from somebody that needs to hear about the grace of Jesus, like I, can't, I couldn't live with myself for that. So he said, we'll sit in the lobby. And so the family showed up to go to church for the first time and sat out in the lobby and watched the whole service. So isn't that awesome? It's so cool when people are willing to do that. Yeah. That is, that is God working in our church and uh, growing our church, and so I want to keep praying for that. But uh, this morning, we have a great opportunity. So excited about this. Um, it's a big day. Uh, we have a, a guest speaker. He's going to share the word with us today. He's an author. Uh, he's a speaker. As of yesterday, he's an he's an Alaska four-wheeler. We took him out to Sutton, Alaska, and got him up on top of a mountainside and got some great pictures, and he was running on, like, Red Bull and four hours of sleep. He trained up 12 financial coaches for us to uh, continue to help equip people on how to just grow grow and experience freedom in their finances. And so we're so excited to hear from him this morning. Could you guys give a huge welcome to Mr. Joe Sangel? Who's fired up to be at church today? That is awesome. I'm so excited to be here in Alaska. It's my first visit to Alaska. And I am fired up that I also survived that four-wheeling journey. Uh, hot hands are awesome is what I learned. And uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, I, I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, just south of there. I grew up on a farm. In 1998, I uh, moved to Anderson, South Carolina, and they have living specimens of palm trees there. And so I felt like that was God's sure sign that I should move there. And so we've lived there since 1998. Uh, but I'm so excited to be with you today in this series called Stuffed. Uh, now, I might be a little loud. Uh, is that okay? Okay. It, I, there's a reason for it. It's because I'm the youngest of six boys, six of them. Count them, one, two, three, four, five, six. There were no daughters. In fact, after having four boys in a row, my mother and father uh, really wanted a daughter. And so when the youngest boy was about five years old, they tried one more time to have a daughter that they really wanted. And so a baby was on the way, and it was March 31st, 1974. My mother went into labor. Now, March 31st, what's the next day? April Fool's, that, that this is important to this conversation. And so uh, it was at 10 o'clock at night. My mother's in the middle of labor. The nurse was listening to the baby with a stethoscope uh, because that's how they checked on babies back then. And uh, she got a puzzled, perplexed look and raced out and came back dragging a, a doctor. And uh, he listened to the baby's heartbeat and he didn't have any puzzled, perplexed look. He looked right at my mother and said, are you ready to have two babies? I just heard two babies' heartbeats. And my mother said what I think any mother would say at that moment. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It is not April Fool's Day yet. I'm going to have one baby and it is going to be, it better be a girl. And the doctor said, I don't know about the boy or girl part, but get ready, two are coming. And so at 10.30 at night on March 31st, my mother gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. And seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. And uh, my mother cried. Um, she literally did. The next day, there was a tornado and an earthquake in Indiana. And my mother felt like she lived in a tornado and earthquake for the next many years with six boys running around. 
And so being loud was essential to my survival. My parents decided not to try for a daughter again. They felt like the Lord had spoken. If they tried it again, they'd have triplet boys. So they, they said no more of this. So I'm the baby. So my mother decided to teach us her motherly ways. And she taught me how to crochet. Uh, for real. Like it's a man skill. If we get stuck in the jungle, I can weave us something. It's awesome. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I actually crocheted a blanket for our pastor when they were expecting their first child. It was awesome. He's like, oh, look, a blanket from your Aunt Joe. That's great. Uh, but listen, I grew up with the youngest of six, as the youngest of six boys, and my parents didn't have anything extra in the area of money or really anything. And they uh, made us grow our own food uh, because they're like, we can't just go to the grocery store for all of this. And so we got to grow our own food, and our lives were ruined as kids in the middle of our summer by green bean picking day. I don't know if any of you have ever been blessed to do that because you know you have to snap them later and then can them all. It was awesome, and we, we, we didn't have anything called extra money, and I didn't start my money journey, really, until I uh, ventured off to college. In fact, uh, my first uh, day of my senior year of high school, there was a free application to Purdue University in the hallway, and I could afford free, so I filled out the application and mailed it in, and uh, I loved math. I know that many people do not, but I loved math, and so I signed up for the schools of engineering, and I was accepted, and so that next fall, I ventured off to Purdue University, the youngest of six boys, but the first to go to college, and I started dating this girl named Sally May, and uh, my, my money journey had begun. Is anybody dating Sally Mae or any of her first cousins, like Navient or Federal Direct Loan? It's a bad joke. They won't get any better. <laughs> but I financed all my college education. And uh, I, I, my first week in there, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd just fill out some credit card applications. And so I filled them all out. And uh, the next, a week later, they gave me a credit card, even though I had said on paper I had no job and no income. They gave me a credit card. And then uh, I I went through college, and it was awesome. And I graduated in four years with a degree in mechanical engineering. And uh, they were giving out special honors. And I wasn't a stellar student, y'all. I was was not a good student. Um, uh, In fact, I barely graduated. I was sweating it at graduation, whether or not I would graduate. And some people had gold cords on. And they said, this person graduated magna cum laude and cum laude and summa cum laude. And so I gave myself special honors. I said, I graduated, thank the loudy. And I got out of there. I had a 2.64 GPA. Get fired up. And, 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 I, and my money journey had begun, but it was in a deficit. And uh, I, I quickly realized that I didn't really know how to manage money very well. And uh, I, I was driving a beat-up clunker vehicle, a 1981 Datsun B210 get fired up vehicle. Some of you know what these look like. There's no physical specimens remaining because they've all sort of disintegrated. Um, but the engine ran forever on a thimble full of gas. It had a hole in the passenger side floorboard. Um, when I was crossing a rough railroad track crossing, the entire dash fell in my lap. And uh, then it caught on fire, not once, but twice. So I felt like I needed a different car. Do you agree with me? Yes. But I wanted a new car. So guess what I done did? So when I graduated, I went down to the car lot. I had a job, but I didn't have any money. And so I even financed a sales tax, 105% financing for a different car, a new car. And then I got married, 
And uh, that was awesome. And I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica. And uh, I, I, I just knew one thing to do with money. What was that? Spend it. So every time I got money, I did the only thing I ever seen done with it. And I pretty quickly had myself spun into a financial mess. And so I just wanted to take a quick survey before we dive into the message today. Has anyone in the house ever been broke before? I'm not asking if you're broke right now. I'm just saying, have you ever been broke? Okay, I got friends in the house. This is awesome. And let me tell you, when you're broke, that's a special feeling, isn't it? And, and it could also border on this thing called desperation. And so today, I'm going to read a story that's been found in the, the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to read the first four, seven verses. And if you have your notes in front of you, you'll see that passage of scripture there. We're going to read it. And we're going to see how God has worked a, a financial miracle in this, this lady's life. And I'm confident it can help us in our own financial journey as well. Let's read it there in verses 1 through 7. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. That's a problem. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. And she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Will you pray with me before we dive into the message today? God, I thank you for your word. God, I'm so grateful that when we read it and we apply it to our lives, it can change our lives. God, I pray today for every family here today that you would move in our life, give us a clear next step. Jesus, we love you. You're the ultimate act of generosity. We're so grateful, and it's in your name that we pray this, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's awesome. So as I look in this story, I really see that there's kind of a process, a rhythm, for how God shows up and does extraordinary things. And so if you're taking notes today, the first thing that I see is that there's a desperate situation, a very desperate situation. We see that in in verse 1, that that desperate situation is very clear. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. What this means, back in this time, is the husband was the provider for the household. So now this widow is faced with a lifelong uh, uh, of poverty. And, and so she's saying, I'm now signed up for poverty. This is not good. But it gets worse. She says, you know, you revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So this man had debt. He loved the Lord. He had debt. He died prematurely. And now in the creditor is coming to take the two sons to repay that debt, to work off that debt. Can you imagine? What a desperate situation. Now, I know many people would resist and say, now, Joe, now they don't come take your kids now when you have debt and you have an extraordinary debt. I would say, no, maybe not. It's actually just the opposite. Instead of our kids being taken from us, we are taken from our kids. 
that our debt situation, if it gets out of control, we end up working overtime, we work more hours and give our best hours of our life, and it takes us away from our children. And she's facing a desperate situation. Can you imagine being in her situation? And, and she's faced with, I don't know what to do. But she did take an extraordinary step. And that's the second point that I want to share today is she chose to seek God. She chose to seek God. That's an extraordinary step for all of us to take when we're faced with a desperate situation. When you're faced with a desperate situation, whether it's a financial situation it's a relational situation. It's a direction for your life situation. It's a health issue. There's uh, many things that we do, but the greatest, perhaps, that we could ever do is seek God. And here's what I know. When I was broke, I was, I was like consulting everyone but God with how to fix it. Like I was watching infomercials. How helpful do you think that was to my finances? Yeah, not very much. And, and then, then I was asking my broke friends for financial advice. Have you ever tried that one? Yeah, should I buy this four-wheeler? Yeah, buy two. I'll ride them with you. But they're broke. Consider the source. But over time, I chose to seek God and start to read his word. It started affecting my life. That's what happened for this widow. She chose to seek God. That's really important. Now, as it, we see in verses 2 through 4, it says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant has, what's the word? What's the word? Nothing there at all. That's a lie. Oh, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, she, she said, I have, I have, what's the word? Nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. But that's not true. Let's rattle off some of the things that she did possess. Um, did she still have her house? He said, go to your house. Let me ask you a question. Did she still have neighbors? Yes, he said, go ask your neighbors. That's hugely important. Did she have health? Well, she had health enough to travel to the man of God. Did she still have her two children? Yes. So let me tell you what I see in this scripture. is It's human nature that when we are desperate for this one thing, that we tend to minimize everything God has already done in our life. That we will discount that to zero because we don't have the one thing that we really want. Have you ever seen that in your life? I know I have. When I'm really desperate for this one thing, I tend to just say, that's all great. That's great, God. That's nothing. Well, I need this one thing. Can I remind you? I need this one thing. I'm desperate. Have you ever been there? And so she said, I have nothing. But let me tell you, she chose to seek God. That's a huge step. Now, listen. He told her to do something that's really weird. Didn't he? She said, I have a small jar of olive oil. But he said, go all to your neighbors and ask for some empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And then pour the oil into the jars. So imagine this. What is she going to do? Like pour it back and forth between the jars? That's just weird. Has God ever told you to do something that feels weird? I came up with a word for it. It's called wonky. It feels wonky. It's weird and it's wonky. Like, Sometimes God, when you seek him, will ask you to do something that's 
weird, wonky, or uncomfortable. But it's very important that we do the courageous thing that she did, the third thing. And that is you have to do what he says to do. You have to do what he says to do. We see that in in verse 5. It says, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And so this is really huge. I think this is awesome. So think about this. Um, I think it's the only time in planet Earth's history that children did what their mother told them to do the first time she told them to do it. Right, check this out. She comes home and she tells her two sons, okay, boys, here's the deal. Go ask all the neighbors for jars. Don't ask for just a few. Or be sold in slavery. Your choice. Yes, ma'am. Okay, and so they leave. Now, let's go with them, okay? They walk over to the neighbor's house and I'm sure they're pulling their red radio flyer wagon with them and they knock on the door and boom 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 now now, let me ask you a question do you think the neighbors knew that her husband had died would you know if your neighbor's husband had died and do you think they knew that her children were in jeopardy of being taken to go work off this debt that he had absolutely I'm telling you my neighbors would know it and so they're over there and they're asking for jars. And uh, the neighbor answers and says, oh, it's these poor two boys. Oh, man. And they open the door. And uh, they say, hey, um, do, do you have some jars? Can we borrow some jars? Uh, yes. How many do you want? All of them. Okay. And so she gives them the jars and they put them in the wagon. And then she closes the doors. And she, 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 you know, she's like a normal neighbor. We watch neighbors. And they open the curtain and they see her. You know, going over to the other neighbor's house, and she sees them, boom, boom, boom. And the neighbor opens the door, and they, she can imagine the conversation. Do you have any jars? Yeah. How many do you need? All of them. Okay? And they get all these jars. Now, why do you think God had her go to all the neighbors and ask for jars? Because God was getting ready to do something incredible in her life. And he knew that the neighbors knew that she had an impossible situation in front of her. And when he was going to work the miracle, it would get their attention and it would draw them to the Lord. Listen, sometimes the reason God is asking you to do something that's crazy, that's weird, or may feel wonky, is because he's getting ready to do something in your life that all of your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers know that you and none of your own power cannot do and only he will get the glory. Hey, that's why it's so important though to do what he says to do. And I came here today to tell you uh, that God is getting ready to do some miracles in some people's lives. And, and God has, you, listen, you have a desperate situation and you've sought him. And God has told you what to do. But you're resisting doing it. And let me tell you, if you don't do what he says to do, then he cannot do what he says he will do. It's very important that you do that. And I remember being broken, and I, I, I started stop, I stopped watching infomercials, and I started reading books. And I read Dave Ramsey's book about money, and David Bach's book about money, and David Chilton's book about money. I thought your name needed to be David to write a personal finance book. And then, then I found the greatest money book ever written. Guess what that is? The right answer in church is the Bible or Jesus, right? Okay, so the, the Bible. And in the Bible, did you know it talks more about money than it does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined? 
In the, in, in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of six verses talks about money or possessions. And it's where the stories that Jesus shared, they're known as parables. He shared 38 of them, and they're documented there in those first four books. And 17 of 38 of those talk about money or possessions. And I think it's because God knew that we would all deal with this money thing. And that it would be the number one competitor for our hearts. As it says in Matthew 6, 21, that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in Matthew 6, 24, that says you cannot serve both God and money. And so he provided us this excellent roadmap to be able to follow his word. And so I started reading this word, and I felt like God was saying to me that I needed to address some debt in my life. I saw in Proverbs 22, 7, that says the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And in Romans 13, 8, it said, let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. And so in my life, I started saying this word I hadn't used in a long time called no. Have you tried that? Did you know it's hard to tell yourself no? Did you know it's difficult to tell your beautiful babies no? And I'm told that it's really difficult to tell those grandbabies no. Can I get a witness? Because you hold that grandbaby, I'm told you look at that grandbaby and you're like, how did intelligence and good looks skip a generation? Straight from you to that baby. And your wallet just heats up. That's what I'm told anyhow. But let me tell you something. I started saying the word no and not now. And I realized that by saying no right now, it was going to position me to be able to pursue God's call for my life. And my wife and I were able to witness, and that's the fourth thing that we see in, in our notes today, is it results in a miracle. You see, that when you're faced with desperate situation, this lady is faced with a desperate situation. We would all agree with that. And as she sought God, she chose to seek God, and then she took the courageous steps to do what he says to do, it positioned her for God to work the miracle. Let's look at that in verses 5 through 7. It says, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Is that incredible? I mean, I look at that, and that's just amazing. Can you imagine as she's sitting in there, and this small jar of olive oil is expanding volumetrically? Like, I don't know that, how that happens other than a one-word answer. God. And, it, and the miracle happened before her. And it's so amazing because as I look at this miracle, um, we've all prayed for miracles like that, right? Where we prayed for God to do the impossible. And, and I can tell you right here in her life, it happened for her. In fact, so much so that we're talking about it right now, thousands of years after it happened for her. And think about this. Like when she was praying, when she went to the man of God, when she had her desperate situation, what was she really praying for? She was praying to keep her sons, wasn't she? To get rid of the debt so she could keep her sons. But let's look at verse 7 again there. It says, the prophet said to her, go sell the oil and pay your debts. That's what she was praying for, wasn't it? But here's how good God is. 
He not only takes care of the right now, he positioned her for the future. It says you and your sons can live on what is left. And what we have here is the first ever mention of the first ever oil business. <laughs> Get fired up. And he put on a lifetime pipeline annuity, baby. How awesome is that? And let me tell you, if God did it for her, I think he could do it for you. And I don't know what the desperate situation is that you're facing this morning. But I believe that if you seek him in the midst of that trial, that you will find him. He'll give you next steps. And as you take those courageous steps, it will result in the miracle happening in your life in the way that the Lord wants it for your life. Let me tell you how it happened for me in my financial journey. I started saying the word no, and December 2nd, 2002 is when I had my, I have had enough moment with my finances. And we started saying no, and, and I'm a spender, y'all. Like, I'm a big time spender. I don't know if anybody here is a spender, but I would go out, spend too much on lunch, and accidentally buy a truck. Like, <laughs> it's really bad. And so I don't recommend that for your finances or your marriage, frankly. And so, so I needed help, the Lord's help. And so we, we came up with a budget. And we started doing something even crazier. We actually followed the budget. And over the course of the next 14 months, we paid off all of our debt except for our house. And it substantially lowered our cost of living so that we could actually take our next step, which was to go into full-time ministry. And I was able to take a 50% pay cut because we had lowered our cost of living by getting rid of our debt. And, and that was wonderful. And, and during that time, we, we, we continued to pay off debt on our house. And at the age of 38, we paid off our house. And, and let me tell you, we've been able to experience what it's like to live with no debt. And let me tell you, it's a lot better than living a life swamped in debt. And we've been able to live what God has called us to do in our life. And I want that for you. But what I saw happen even greater in my life is God got my attention in this area of money. And I realized that he owns it all and that everything submits to him that you could experience this, this stuff life, this life where it's a full life. And let me tell you how it manifested itself in our life, and I'll finish with this. Is, uh, when, when my wife and I were married, uh, we didn't know if we could ever have children. Um, my wife, when she was uh, finishing her junior year of high school, fell, fell very ill and uh, was diagnosed with very large ovarian tumors, like that big for real. And uh, she had to go through massive surgery, and we didn't know if we could ever have children so you can imagine how excited we were when two years into our marriage, we found out we were pregnant. And uh, just over 17 years ago, we welcomed this baby girl to our life. And pray for me, she's 17 years old and a girl and has feelings for a boy. I need counsel. Please help me, Jesus. And uh, she's awesome. Uh, she's a runner. And uh, she's fantastic. And, and Malia Jacoby Sangle, she's amazing. Uh, but a couple years after she was born, this was while we were in the I was broke part of our life. Uh, we decided to go to Disneyland in Anaheim, California and take her to go see Mickey Mouse. And let me tell you, Disney has a financial plan for you. It's to put a suction cup to the bottom of your wallet. And uh, so, so while we were there, it was awesome. We got to see Mickey Mouse, and it was a great day. And at the end of the day, we were worn out. Our daughter was not. And, uh, but my wife fell extremely ill. And uh, we flew home the next day, and my wife went to the doctor immediately. And I got this panicked phone call at work 
with my wife saying, these tumors have recurred. They are very large. It may be cancer. Uh, we have to have surgery right now. And, we had, and it was right as we were trying to get our finances in order. How many of you know that if you left here today and said, I'm going to get my finances in alignment with God's word. I'm going I'm to give and put God first. I'm going to save. I'm going to invest. I'm going to have a budget. That you'll walk out of here and all four of your car tires will be flat. And your refrigerator will die. How many of you know that? You know why? Because we have an enemy. And if he can keep you broke, he can keep you focused on yourself and away from the calling he has for your life. And away from living a life of generosity. And so, so we were trying to get our finances in order. We had to go through this major surgery. We had to play a huge deductible. Um, my wife recovered over the next six months. Uh, ten months after that surgery, she fell ill again. And we had to have the same surgery again. And even though it was only ten months later, it was a new insurance deductible year. So we got to pay it again. And uh, for, the, for the next ten years, we begged God for another child and uh, the answer was no. We tried in vitro. Many of you know people who've been on that journey. The doctor said it's not really possible. And so we kind of gave up on that dream. And in 2008-9, the economy recessed. Does anybody remember this? Do you remember when 401Ks turned into 201Ks and then into a box of special K? I mean, it was very special. Yes. And we felt God calling us to take this, this ministry to the nations. So we stepped off staff at our church to form our own organization and uh, we had to get our own health insurance. So because I want to save money and be a good steward of what God has placed in my hands, I decided to save money by canceling maternity insurance. You know what we found out 16 days later, right? 16 days later, and we were pregnant. And uh, on February 6, 2010, as my beloved Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning were getting throttled by Purdue's Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl, I did not care because God gave us a beautiful baby boy. And I brought a picture to share with you of that moment of beautiful Keaton Joseph Sangle. And uh, a couple hours later, I got to bring in his 10-year-old sister, the one who'd been praying for a sibling, and I got to place him in her arms. I brought a picture of that very moment. And I, I want to leave that there for a second. Because any parent who's introduced a sibling to their older sibling knows how special that is. But this is, what I see in that smile as a father is a 10-year-old girl who had prayed in bedtime prayers for a brother or sister. The one who had heard doctors say it's not possible, who'd seen her mother go through these surgeries, and, and had heard us begging God for another child. And she got, listen, for the rest of her life, do you think she's going to tolerate anybody saying God doesn't still work miracles? Because she's going to say, let me tell you when I was 10 years old, when I held the miracle in my arms. And while he looks calm in her arms right there, we quickly discovered this boy is like destructo boy. Like the most destructive. This child has broke everything in my house. If you have successfully raised a destructive child to age 18, I need counseling after the service. He, he threw his toy fire truck through my flat panel TV. He threw a handful of coins in my garbage disposal and blew out the sink and flooded the kitchen. He was taking a bath in the second floor over the kitchen, and it started raining on me. Well, and so I raced up there, and he had plugged the tub on purpose so that the overflow valve was plugged up so it would run over the top. He's like, isn't this cool, Dad? This is awesome. No, don't do that. And he did it twice. On the way home to Christmas, to Indiana, to my parents, he ate a handful of coins. 
He ate them. A year ago, my office staff came in and said, what did you do to your car? I'm like, I drove it here. They're like, you need to go look at your car. And my beautiful black car, he, he is spray painted with gold metallic flex spray paint that we bought for a Harry Potter party. I can barely contain him. I'm serious. He just pulled his curtains out of the wall, all, completely out of the wall two weeks ago. He's six. I can barely contain him. But in Malachi 3.10, God says, test me through giving. And he says, if you'll test me, see if I'll not throw out blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it or contain it. And I can barely contain my son. So guess what happened 10 days after we paid off our house in January of 2013? We found out that our overflow was on the way in the form of another baby girl and on September 25th, three years ago, we welcomed a baby girl. I brought a picture of her, Megan Jennifer Sangle, and I literally call her Overflow because she's our overflow blessing. And if you want to know why I'm fired up, you want to know why I'd race all the way out here to Alaska to be able to share with you about this story is because I get to look at my family. I brought a picture of my family currently, and I get to go home and I get to see the blessings that doctors said was not possible. That I remember the desperate situation where we sought God and we did what he said to do. And I, I get to say and proclaim one as millions of witnesses that our God is still in a miracle working business. And in this Thanksgiving season, in maybe in a desperate area of your life, that if you seek him, you will find him. And that if you do what he says to do, even when it seems crazy, he will show up and he will do what only he can do. And he will work the miracle. Listen, I hope that you'll join me to this afternoon at 5 o'clock. I'm going to teach a financial learning experience where I'm going to teach the practical tools that my wife and I use to get our finances in alignment with God's word to help us fund the dreams that God has placed in our hearts. There's over 100 free financial tools and uh, there's an app for that. I promise you, you'll have fun and it will help you take your next step. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every life that's represented here. God, I, I know that in a room this size, there are people that are struggling in this area of money. And God, I pray today that you would help them seek you. And God, that you would give them clarity of their next step. God, for relationships that are being torn apart because of money, God, I pray today that they could leave today focused not upon the, each other and the, 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 the mistakes that we've made, but God, that they could focus upon you. And God, that they, they would find you and that they could be able to start feeling the effects of restoration that only you can bring. Jesus, I know that you paid a debt that none of us could ever repay. That you paid a debt of sin. That if we would call upon your name and believe in our heart that you have been raised from the dead, that we will be saved and that wherever your spirit is, that there is liberty. And Jesus, I pray for every person here who has not called upon your name as Lord of their life, that today they would, they would do that, that they could have that debt of sin paid and receive that free and generous gift of salvation, that they could have you as the guider of their life. Jesus, we love you. You are the ultimate act of generosity. We're so grateful, and it's in your name that we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.